Hello and welcome to this eighth episode of the second season of Into the Prey, Breaching the Chaos of the Church with Nick and Mary Franks. And Mary does exist. I am still here, I promise. <laughs> Mary's, Mary's here with me, because otherwise we need to start saying, welcome to Into the Prey, Breaching the Chaos of the Church with Nick Franks. <laughs> I've not exited, I promise. <laughs> what are we talking about this week? Um, so this week we're beginning to start to look at the topic of prophecy, the gift of prophecy, really studying and thinking about what this gift is, what the Bible says about it, mm. and starting the process of trying to think critically mm-hmm. um, and biblically about what this means and how it affects us and how God wants us to use this gift. Yeah, for sure. Have you done anything with 1 Corinthians in My Heart Notes? Um, I don't think specifically yet, no. No, I think it was, I certainly did a lot of reading of it this year when I went through the plan, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure that I specifically put anything up at the time about this topic, no. If you don't know what My Heart Notes is, go and check it out on Instagram, at My Heart Notes, and Mary has lots of content on there that's great. Um, But you were saying the other day that you started to slow down and read some other books, just like One Kings or whatever. Yeah, so I've basically read through the bible twice not perfectly but i've read through two full reading plans and i just finished up the chronological 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 plan actually at the beginning of this week so um i just i felt the need last year when i slow down yeah like last year when i finished i felt the need i had to read the whole bible again i felt like once wasn't enough Mm mm-hmm but then this year, coming up to the end of this one, I just felt the need to, to really go much slower and much deeper and mm. not to to be held to the pace of anything other than, you know, the Lord speaking and just mm-hmm. little parts of scripture and really diving into mm. verse by verse rather than chapter by chapter. So, yeah. Eat, eating the Bible like a cow. Yes, except I don't eat cow much, but yes. I like it, like the way the way <laughs> cows have got five stomachs. You know, just digesting slowly. Oh, I see. Okay, yes, like meditating. I don't understand what you thought I meant. There. I have no idea. <laughs> Eating the Bible like a cow, chewing, taking your time, yeah. digesting, then chewing the cud. Chewing the cud, exactly. Yeah, just if we're reading the Bible and it's all about volume and getting through the Bible, we're it's like. It's like rushing a date to get home to watch the football. You're missing the best bit. Mm-hmm. There's a season for all of it, though, isn't there? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Like we don't want to be stuck in Genesis forever. No. <laughs> um, but I think that's important. Just at the beginning of this, just yeah. So we, we, this is one Corinthians today. Mary will do some of it coming up. Just maybe have some stuff on my heart notes about it as well. We could maybe do some related content. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Without further ado, we're going to go into the book of 1 Corinthians today. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 1 through verses 1 through to 10. I'm going to make some points. I want to make a slight disclaimer at this point, which is to say um, that we've got some news to come. I mentioned this last week, but it won't be this week. I need to, I'm sorry if that's annoying or whatever, but we'll we'll be making a, a statement in due course. Um, and when I say due course, I mean the next few days. So it could be even before next next Friday. So look out for that. Also to make the point that um, 
I've had not, I've had quite, yeah, I haven't had much sleep. I'm even struggling to say that sentence, which <laughs> yeah. perfectly demonstrates. So I trust guys that it's been helpful to listen to this today. It's certainly been helpful to start to approach this issue of the gifts of the spirit, particularly prophecy, but in the wider context of the book of 1 Corinthians, it would have been completely foolish to jump straight into chapters 12, 13 and 14 without reading the surrounding chapters. So that's what we're going to be doing. We're not in a rush. We're chewing the cud. We're eating the Bible like a cow. I sounded like Alan Partridge there. I'm really sorry. <laughs> anyway, without further ado, here is the first teaching session on the book of 1 Corinthians. This is what it looks like for us. And we're okay with that. And it is okay. And anyone else listening, I will say that to you guys, that it's okay to be where you're at. There's others that are going through the same thing. Okay, guys, well, let's go to the book of 1 Corinthians. We're going to just initially spend some time leafing through the pages of the book as a whole. I want to do that just to get familiar with the general outline of the book. And then we'll come back to verses 1 through to 10 of the first chapter. But... I think it's worth just labouring this point that until we get familiar with the book as a whole, 12, 13 and 14 aren't going to make as much sense as they as they should do for us reading. Um, so as always, context is king. But broadly speaking, okay, so if you've got your Bible, I hope you've got your physical Bible with you, or at least on a phone to scroll with me. I'm going to go very quickly through the whole book here and then make some specific comments to do with these first few verses of the first chapter that I think relate to the um, the ministry thrust of the podcast as a whole, so radical preparation for the return of Christ. And it, it, my main thought this morning isn't going to be, and by the way, this is a live, as near to a live podcast as you're going to get. This is the morning of Friday, um, September the whatever date it is, September the 4th, just because yesterday was uh, epically busy with too many things to do. So pray for us at the minute, guys. We really value that and appreciate that. Um, but but the main thought this morning is to is is maybe not the kind of thought that you'll see in a commentary on one Corinthians if you read a a Matthew Henry or something like that. But I will I will be making a link between these opening comments of Paul and the main thrust of this of this podcast, the blog, and the ministry as a whole. So, um, so with your Bible in hand. Just looking at the 16 chapters of this book, okay, broadly speaking, I would divide it into two. I can see I can see two clear um, parts, two distinctions. It's a bit crude to make it as simplistic as that, but if you think of chapters 1 through to 6, um, and then 7 through to 16, I would say that's where it would be a good, a good place mentally, just even now, just to, to think of the book being in two halves, in the sense of Paul writing... Um, into the situation in Corinth and he's aware of problems he's he's aware of well, that's putting it mildly Paul is aware of the situation um, and so there's a need to address some specific problems not least of which is the um, the grotesque issues of sexual immorality I think most people will be familiar with Corinth being the book of Corinthians being addressing of that specific issue but that's just one of several problems in these first six chapters. So if you flick through your Bible, um, so, you know, the subtitles in the in the translation of your Bible will probably be helpful to some extent. But if you go through the, um, chapters one, two, um, Paul is addressing 
um, broadly speaking, the division in the church. That's what we're going to come back to in a minute. But um, the issues of, for example, you know, whether the, the chapter four covers the whole thing of basically Christian celebrity, this this being caught up in who we're following and some say I follow Apollos, some say I follow Paul, some say, oh, I follow Jesus. You know, it's just, in some ways, nothing's changed. This is just a, that's a nonsense within the church of um, man-made structures and followings and so on. And Paul makes a big point, without getting into any one of these specific individual points that Paul makes for, for lack of time here, but Paul makes a point on that point to do a Christian celebrity that we're all, we're all simply servants of Jesus and it should be no more complicated than that. So there's the whole thing of division in the church. Then you've got these le- this leadership issues. You've got the sexual immorality issue. And we see that culminate in chapter 5 where Paul's advice... Paul's... It's not advice. It's a command. It basically is at, kick, kick the immoral brother out, get rid of them, and then flee from the sin. That might sound quite harsh to hear that this morning, but that's that's basically Paul's teaching on the whole issue of sexual immorality, which... Um, is good we need that kind of directness in today's age as much as the corinthians did so chapter five expel the immoral brother etc etc paul says in other parts of the new testament in fact i think it's in corinthians somewhere he talks about not even not even having dinner not even going out to costa for a coffee with a a so-called brother who is sexually immoral or is covering sexual sin what have you this is how serious this is in fact, just just backtrack. If you go to chapter three, for example, I think it's around about verse sixteen, a real kind of like linchpin verse of this whole book. Um, yeah, so it's one Corinthians three sixteen. Don't you know that you're your, you yourselves are God's temple, and that God's spirit lives in you? That's really the question of of the ages. <coughs> Excuse moi. Um, so the, so broadly speaking, there's these two parts of the book, Paul addressing these very specific problems. And then when you get to chapter 7, there starts to be more of a Q&A feel to the book. So a whole heap of different issues that aren't quite the same as Paul addressing the problems with solutions, like the sexual immorality issue. But you've got these other sprawling chapters on issues relating to various things. So, for example, in chapter 7, we've got the whole issue of marriage. Then it goes through in chapters 8, 9, and 10, and you've got the whole thing of ordinances within the church thinking about things like the lord's supper how that works the whole thing of order within uh worship public worship gatherings and then hopefully you can hear my bible flicking in the background here it's just the devil hates that sound bible paper you can't do that on a smartphone um so chapter 11 propriety and worship and so on and as i mentioned the lord's supper is dealt with in that same chapter but then when we get to chapter 12 okay we've got this these are the bits that we're going to come to in future weeks to do with the gift of prophecy particularly um 12 13 and 14 and then it comes to 15 at the end where paul deals with the big issue of resurrection so if we if there is no resurrection as some were saying paul's apostolic authority and office were being challenged by whoever um, but ultimately the claim was that there was no resurrection and that Paul was saying, well, if there's no resurrection, then we have most men are to be pitied above all. And if there's no resurrection, we're still dead in our trespasses and sin. This is an epic waste of time. We should all stop being Christians immediately. That's what Paul's saying. And of course, that's not the point. The whole point of the book as a whole is to showcase the glory of the gospel, the glory of redemption and salvation. 
um, chapter 16, there's a passing um, small paragraph on uh, giving, a little bit on finances. Finances always seems to creep in somewhere. And then personal requests and comments and greetings and so on. So let, let's go into these first. That's the book as a whole. I hope that's helpful just to get a, a begin to be familiar. And obviously, if this teaching series is successful, which it, God willing it will be, in terms of our familiarity with this uh, book as a whole, we'll start to be able to think about it without needing any notes without any uh, commentaries or study notes or whatever we'll just begin to be familiar with the book as a whole so I think those two those two divisions are helpful thinking of chapters one through to six inclusive dealing with very specific issues that Paul would have become aware of where he was writing from which is Ephesus um, roughly 50 years after Jesus died so think about the kind of gap in history between C.S. Lewis dying in whatever year that was the 60s or 50s can't remember anyway the gap between then and, and and now it's not long okay so th- so this is a this is a period of time I don't, I don't know what age paul would have been but he would have uh as i say 50 years or so after jesus died um let's get let's read these verses so going in at chapter 1 verse 1 paul called to be an apostle of christ jesus by the will of god and our brother sosthenes by the way i'm reading from my niv Verse 2, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy together with all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Sorry guys, just having a slurp of my coffee. Um... First three verses, I'll come to four in a minute, but let me just make these obvious comments about these first um, these first three verses. I think it is helpful to to just to, to try to get familiar with not just the geography that Paul was in and writing to and traveling between, but some of the customs. So, for example, Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and then he, he refers to Sosthenes. Here and we'll come to Acts 18 in a minute because Sosthenes was a synagogue ruler, most probably at least, um, linking to Acts 18. And by the way, I should have said you need to have your fingers in Acts 18 as well as 1 Corinthians, particularly at this point, as we begin to explore this. Uh, there's a parallel passage there that obviously Luke wrote regarding Paul's this this point where Paul was in Corinth and the people that he met on the ground there, not least uh, Aquila and Priscilla. And the renowned Apollos and how those two interacted and how that relates to the gifts of the Spirit. We'll come to that in a minute. But So Paul is opening here with that ancient Greek custom of beginning with his name. That was just a way that the Greeks did things. Um, and Sosthenes was obviously a big deal to some extent to even be featuring. You know, it's, it's quite amazing that um, you don't see it that much, but Sosthenes... Um, is worthy of just thinking about a little bit in terms of what it meant for him as a Jew um, to to have ultimately come to that realisation. A little bit like Paul himself, that when Jesus makes you a disciple, everything has to go. Everything changes. Um, and Paul is writing with this sense of grace and peace. And in verse 3, um, obviously we're, we're talking about this very specific gathering in Corinth. Um, isn't it wonderful though even even this morning if you're feeling tired 
if you're feeling weary, if you're feeling in and of yourself at your limit, physically, mentally, whatever. Uh, it's, it, let's just not skip over these kind of intro verses because there's infinite worth here. So verse 3, grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Lamentations 3, his mercies are new every single morning. And I'm up very early this morning. The sun's coming up slowly, the birds are singing, the coffee is brewed, and it's another new day. We're in this constant state of jubilee, guys. We are sons and daughters of the king. We are we are ambassadors, 2 Corinthians 5, of the coming king. And we have this kind of perpetual state of being in mercy and grace. It's just, it's glorious. And so Paul writes with all of that as the, the seedbed that he's about to go into. But um, let me just say in verse 4 to, four to 9... There's a, there's a key here, okay, and I think this is what I was saying a minute ago about the relation to, of this study of 1 Corinthians to the podcast and things generally at this end, is the connection between the gifts of the Spirit, the return of Jesus, and the, and the true unity and stroke preparation of the bride. That's really what we see in this next little passage. So let me read it quickly. <coughs> Verse 4, I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge. Because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly await for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. By the way, just as a passing comment that occurs to me even now as I'm reading it, verse 9 relates to what I was just saying now, I think, in verse 3 about this perpetual state of new morning mercies. Every single day, uh, that God who has called us into this fellowship with his Son, that's what he does fundamentally, but he does it in a sense every day, doesn't he? This That the, the God the Father does that for us. He calls us into this wow just this fellowship with jesus that is constant but um as i say that's more of an aside but the the main point i want to make from this little passage here if you look in verse 7 where paul says therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift if you look at that in the amplified it's specifically talking about gifts of the spirit so remember what i was saying there that paul uh was addressing a church in an, in in many ways in lots of trouble there were lots of major issues particularly sexually you know the the the, the kind of insipid culture of Corinth itself infiltrating the cut and infiltrating the the church and so bad was it in the culture that to Corinth you know to the the phrase was used to Corinthianize meaning meaning that to Corinthianize meant sexual Im- was synonymous with being sexually immoral. That's how bad it was. It's like living in Edinburgh and being called an Edinburghian or um, whatever, and that being and that meaning directly that you were sexually immoral. That's how bad the context was. So Paul was writing into that, but the church were gifted. You know, it says there in, in verse seven that, in a paraphrase, there was no shortage of spiritual gifting for this church. The issue wasn't their gifting. It's like it says in the beginning of Ephesians that. We have every spiritual blessing in Christ. The issue is is one of immaturity, and how true is that? Thinking of the Greek culture, thinking of the Trojan horse metaphor and cliche, you know, 
I remember someone once saying that the Trojan horse of church life is immaturity, if you know how that worked, um, what the church, what the Trojan horse was and the way that the uh, the soldiers, the Greek soldiers hid within this. Anyway, um, so Paul is addressing this church that's gifted but just doesn't understand how to wield the gifts in, in maturity. But look what he says in verse 7. And this is where I want to just draw a parallel between chapter 1, verse 7, and chapter 12, verse 7. Um, the link that he makes between not lacking any spiritual gift, so verse 7, hand in hand with this eagerly waiting for the return of Jesus. And then verse 8 kind of elaborates a little bit on this promise which again touches on the, the, the verse 9 where it talks about God's work within this, is that he will keep us, in verse 8, he will keep us strong to the end. You know, the perseverance of the saints. But to keep it simple this morning, I want to make that point that Paul, in this very introductory few sentences, is making the point, almost in a sense preempting. maybe he's just thinking, maybe he's got a plan of where he wants to go with this in, in chapters 12, 13 and 14 that we're going to come to about the, the gift of prophecy and so on making this link at the get-go that the gifts of the Spirit relate directly to the end of the world because it's to do with, as he's the context is, Jesus returned the day of the Lord and unity in the church. So if you look at the very next verse, and this is where we'll finish today, in verse 10, Paul goes on after saying that kind of introductory thanksgiving. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there be so that there may be what so that there may be no division as per Paul's overarching purpose in writing is to address these divisions whether it's to do with sexual immorality whether it's to do with christian celebrity hysteria whether it's to do with lawsuits and brothers going to court with each other willy-nilly whether it's to do with sons sleeping with their mother-in-laws whether it's to do with conscience issues to do with food being used previously for idols whether it's to do with concerns about marriage or whatever the whatever it is Paul is addressing here the issue of true unity and if you think about the the church prepared at the end of the age when Jesus returns almost a sense in which that the apex of that bride prepared will be unity will be true unity and we don't see that we're looking at a church today much like Paul was from Ephesus as he looked at Corinth he looked at a church that was divided messed up sullied soiled compromised um, just a damaged witness in the world and that's very much what we're looking at today so this is why there's such a strong parallel between the book of 1 Corinthians and today and I think increasingly so but let me just make this kind of like exegetical um comparison if you've got your bible there again look at what look at chapter 1 verse 7 and then flick over to chapter 12 verse 7 easy to remember these things i find it helpful just to have like numbers in my head if i want to remember big thoughts in a book so 1 7 and then 12 7 let me read 12 7 now to each one, this is in the context of, as we should know, of the spiritual gifts at the very beginning, Paul saying, now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. There it is, the common good. Um, so that, so that again, this is to do with unity. So, it, so it's the context of spiritual gifts 
and the one who gives according to his will for the purpose of the common good. And then Paul goes on into the whole passage of the body. But I think it's important for us to hear that this morning, that that the gifts of the Spirit should be understood to be in the context of the end of the world, Jesus' return, the bride being prepared for that, and unity in the church. That's what's going on in this first paragraph of the book of 1 Corinthians. So it's important for us to think of spiritual gifts. Um, so the church are gifted. Paul is saying that, you know, that they're not short on gifting. They are short on maturity, which is why these problems exist. But if you think of the, of the spirit and the whole issue of gifting, Christ's return, the, the relationship between the Holy Spirit and the gifts that he gives and the end of the age, it's hard to not think of Matthew 25, where the parable of the virgins um, and, the, and the, wise, the wise and the foolish virgins, those who, who have prepared and bought oil and those who haven't you know we understand when we read Matthew 25 that that the spirit of God is the prepper is really the oil is that that's that's the sense in which you know the, the the kind of difference between the foolish and the wise virgin is those who are close and in step with the Holy Spirit Galatians 5 etc etc so it, it's it's an important understanding I think from this first passage as we begin to start thinking about the wider context of unity in the church, the work for reformers, which is part of the, um, which is part of this podcast, and the way that we're called to start exercising those gifts, all of that relates to the end of the age, and that's all of that is here in this first part of one Corinthians. It's there in the first ten verses that Paul is showcasing the glory of the spotlight of the gospel on all of these different things. But why is it then? And I think this is the question to, to leave us all with for this week as we begin to look at this book more properly. Is going back to Paul's command later in the book where he says, to not just Paul's command, Jesus' command to us now to eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially the gift of prophecy. What happens to the church if we don't do that? I think that's the important question. What happens to the church when we don't? eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially the gift of prophecy. Um, and I think the answer is simply that the church is powerless. I think the church is divided. And of course, again, that's what Paul was teaching for here. This is the purpose of his writing. Um, how it is we think that we are able to reduce this issue of the Spirit and the gifts that he gives into something, as I've said before, that is moderately important is a is a nonsense. We need to recognise the indispensability, the vitalness of this. And that, of course, is what what Paul is making the point about. Um, if you read back to the passage I was reading, mentioning earlier about Acts 18, the parallel passage from the book of Acts. Gosh, I'm just looking out my window, guys. The sun, the sun is just peaking. It's a beautiful morning here in Edinburgh. Anyway, um, Acts 18, make sure you go back and read that as part of this, we won't do it for time's sake now, but the point of this is, if you, when you read that, is to get the insight in, into not only Paul's relationship with Aquila and Priscilla, this couple, this Italian couple who've been kicked out of their country of Italy because they're Jews, Claudius, whatever his name is, the guy there has just kicked out the the Jews, and they've come to Greece, they've come to Corinth, this city, and 
that's where they encountered Paul. And Paul and Aquila and Priscilla, they met and connected because they had the same kind of trade. And they were tent makers, ended up living together, spending time together, would have just been like, gosh, what a picture that is of community and family, all the relation, the type of relationship and communal living that we're all gagging for, we just don't realise it. So, But the, the passage of Acts 18 and how that relates to this issue of whether we view the gifts of the Spirit being given as a moderately important issue or not is the whole thing of Apollos. Apollos was a renowned um, Jewish orator, so he would go around into the synagogues and he would debate with the Jews about the reality of Jesus proving, it says that in the scripture somewhere, that that Apollos, in fact I think it is in Acts uh, 18, that he proved from scripture that Jesus was the Messiah. And so he went in and was had, you know, impact in the, in the Jewish synagogues. But then when Apollos, a guy of this kind of renown, which is, by the way is why in 1 Corinthians we see that whole issue of some saying I follow Apollos, some saying I follow Paul. You know, the fact that Paul was the, the apostolic... Apollos wasn't the apostle. Check it out. Do you know what I'm saying? God wasn't calling Apollos to write the New Testament. He did that with Paul. And so for people to be able to say, well, I follow Apollos, that shows the kind of celebrity. It shows the the charisma and the kudos that this guy had to to for people, for any of the disciples to say, I follow Apollos. But anyway, the point of Acts 18, and this is the point I'm making this morning, is that Aquila and Priscilla, when they encountered Apollos, they come to understand that he had only experienced the baptism of John, and so he was doing all of this stuff, and how true is that? What a direct commentary that is for the likes of John MacArthur or any of the other cessationist guys who would dare to say that the Spirit doesn't give the gifts today. What a grief, what a quenching that is. What a blasphemy that is. This is why this is not moderately important. Apollos came through the connection with Aquila and Priscilla to realize that the spirit, the baptism of the spirit is what was required, not merely the baptism of John. And so we are called, we're called to be gift receivers in a place of humility and faith. Um, and we can say much more about that in terms of why the cessationist view uh is so deeply rooted and how that relates to abuses of the gifts and counterfeit gifts and so on but um to throw all of that out for the sake of the counterfeit is just is just dancing to the tune of the enemy so read acts 18 as well as 1 Corinthians 1 this morning you'll begin to get that flavor of what was going on in Corinth and the centrality of the spirit within all of this and where ultimately we're going to come to in chapters 12 through 14 as we approach the book and I think just to encourage us all whether whether you would say yeah I've got I've received the gift of speaking in tongues or prophecy or whatever it is that your experience has afforded you is that you don't stop eagerly desiring the gift of prophecy or the gift of tongues just because you've received that there, there are levels of maturity and skill and so on in exercising the gifts that we should continually be eagerly desiring these gifts and so let's keep that firmly in mind as we go into the into the subsequent passages in this book that that Paul is putting in the first 10 verses of this book in into the sexually immoral cesspit that Corinth was so much like our world today is that the church the issue of giftedness is not enough on its own maturity 
is what Paul is going after, and therefore true unity within the church. But that's central to all of that is the Lord's return and the issue of gifting um, being related to that and, and, and division. So it's it, if you think of a little tra- tra- chain in your head, okay, this morning, you want to think of the, the gifts that, s- that the Spirit gives. You want to think of the end of the age, Jesus' return, and you want to think of true unity in the church. And that's where we're going in subsequent weeks. Let's just pray, Lord. We want to... I'm so grateful this morning that your word is alive and active and not dead and redundant and exhausted. Lord, We, it's living, it's beating, it's breathing in that sense. And it's certainly double sharper than any double-edged sword able to cut and and discern between thoughts and attitudes and where your word does that in situations where of ourselves we're not able to discern or separate or find a solution whatever Lord, we, we we just rejoice this morning in the power of your word of the permanence of the eternal flawlessness of your word and the power of spirit is as you move in our hearts, as we read, as we listen, as we reflect. And I pray now for us all as we approach this book, as we wrestle with some of the things in this book, that you would cut us. We, we thank you that we can ask you to do that, knowing that it's a kindness. That you come to cut away those things that are false faulty and that you mean for our health and so I invite you spirit for me and Mary and for everyone listening to come and have have your way and do the work that you want to do by your spirit as we read this book of 1 Corinthians and if there's one verse for us to remember in all of it Lord let it be that verse that our bodies are temples of your spirit show us what that truly means In the days ahead, we pray that you'd be glorified, Jesus, and that you'd come soon. We love you. Amen. Guys, thanks so much for listening to this eighth episode of Into the Prey Season 2. We're looking forward to digging more into this meaty little book of 1 Corinthians. It's amazing. It really is. Just been so blessed over the last few days as I've been pouring over it. So please do check that out. Track with us. It won't be consistent week in week teaching, although we will be coming back to this next week. So look out for part two of this. We're going to be looking at the rest of the first chapter of 1 Corinthians. And even if we're in this whole book for the next 16 weeks, we'll get it finished before Christmas, pretty much. So, um, yeah, thanks so much. And as I say, make a point of going over to My Heart Notes. Check Mary's content out there. Really kind of just focused on the Bible. It's just amazing. I just love it. It's our lives, isn't it, guys? It should be at least. Um, if you've not recommended this podcast to a friend, why don't you do that this week? We want to we want to see as many people as possible get in with this content. I think it's important for people to be part of this conversation and listening to that. Often conversations that people won't be getting at church, so that's really the motivation. Guys, until next week, bless you. May he come soon. Mm-hmm.